0: Hi, I'm John. Hi, I'm Olivia.
1: Hi, I'm Subcommander Tal.
2: And this week, we've watched And the Children Shall Lead. And now we're going to argue about whether it's going to make us quit Star Trek.
0: John, as a prolific hater of children and child actors... (laughs)
2: how did you feel um
0: (laughs) notoriously hates kids
2: well i'm (laughs) conflicted because i don't like because i'm troubled by child actors but craig Hutley's jazz is very good yeah i'm kind of like all right you're terrible as an actor your jazz improvisation is excellent i
1: don't know what to do here you should have stuck with the blaster beam
2: stuck yeah you know stick (laughs) to your
1: lane maybe craig
2: i just like the opening
0: scene because it looked like someone had like massacred the wiggles (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's, it's, I made this comment just before we started That the season one of TOS is very much leaning on horror in a lot of ways I mean, we talked about The Man Trap quite recently And how that's quite horror It's quite leaning on the sort of Twilight Zone stuff This episode seems like you got somebody to try and write a Twilight Zone episode But they had never seen an episode of t- the Twilight Zone mm. They're right, just going <laughs> off of the vibe
0: is this when shatner was was shatner two-timing star trek when he did his twilight zone episode
2: that was was before wasn't
0: it oh it was before yeah
2: Yeah. this is this is the season three of tos which is just erratic
1: yeah it's um i mean it's it's interesting it's definitely considered the weakest season and i think you know we all agree on that but i love what you said about it trying for um, a, a more of a horror or macabre kind of episode, which this, I mean, it's it tries and fails. It fails pretty badly, but um, uh, it's it's doing something. You know, season two, it's held up as a really good season, but it does get into a little bit of a rut, a Gene Kuhn rut, where it's like parallel worlds or like um prime directive stuff and season three was trying very different things um, in part because of budgetary restraints but just also they were imaginative unfortunately it was just failing in the attempt a lot of the time to really pull it off
2: i mean this one sits between the paradise syndrome which is um that's jim another kirk one does jim kirk does dances with wolves with worse budget <laughs> <laughs> and, and even less sensitive and then the next episode is Is There In Truth No Beauty? An episode which is best defined by sexism.
0: Well, that's a I lot love, of TOS, to be fair. I
2: mean, but it's...
0: Can I just the, say, I had a really cursed thought during this episode.
2: Please tell us.
0: When they, when they were like, all the kids were running around, I was like, can they like get some woman to deal with this? What's going
1: Olivia. On? Oh, no. They, they found her no. Do they
0: not have a crash? Like, what's going on? They don't
2: have a crash on a warship. Yes, famously warships have crash. Oh, wait, Yeah, no. like, there's no. a lot of room no. John. Give them a century, Olivia, and they'll have a crash.
0: I fell into the 60s theme too deep, okay? Yeah. <laughs> it's not my fault. I'm the only one who can't get cancelled for saying that.
2: The, I think the peak of Jean's vision, of sort of 1960s Gene Rotterbury in this, is the four, you have the four families... Mm-hmm. Of the scientists. And it's an American, a vaguely European sounding name, a black family and an East Asian family. It's like, yep. yeah, you see, I know it feels bad for night for 2023, but I know very well when the writer wrote that, some producer in Paramount looks at went, is that too radical? Because <laughs> it was 1969.
0: Well, good for them. Doing it anyway.
2: They don't worry, we we introduced racial diversity and then we killed them all.
0: <laughs> uh, well,
2: they're still kind of doing that today, yes. so. Progress. But, it, I mean, that's TOS for you, and um, I do have to say our, our guest today is, if you're on Twitter, probably the TOS expert uh. in so many ways. Sort of, you go down on your Twitter feed, there's something, you post something about TOS, and it's just always something very interesting and thought-provoking, and sort of very nice to get you on the podcast, finally. And it's sort of, the next obvious question is, how did you get into Star Trek? And I sort of know the answer, because it's only one way, but I'm going to ask it anyway. <laughs> do you know, when you started, do you remember that first moment?
1: Um, I, I have some early, very early memories. I mean, you know, so I'm 48. I don't remember a time where there wasn't Star Trek um, on TV. And mostly the original series is what I grew up with. Uh, my dad used to watch reruns. Um, dad, immigrant from England, by the way, who came to the States in the early 70s um and uh my i do have a very vivid memory of the empath watching that as like maybe a 4 or 5 year old which is a terrible episode to watch if you're 4 or 5 very uh, very freaky um but i wasn't especially into the show i you know it was just something that was kind of on um it wasn't until later when i was maybe 10 11 12 that i sort of really started digging into it this was maybe like the the mid to later 80s and i just uh, was hooked i mean the I think as I entered adolescence, the whole angst of uh, Spock and the macho uh, virtues of Captain Kirk uh, really spoke to me. And I just loved how different the show was from other shows that were on TV, just how it was lit and the music. And um, I started going to conventions. I probably went to a couple of dozen of those uh, through the 80s and the early 90s. Um, It was really a 10-year stretch where I was just... um, Uh, quite obsessed. I mean, in those days uh, when I finally went to college and, you know, the internet was becoming a thing, this was pre-social media, but we had Usenet groups and we had mailing lists and I did a lot of um, Trek-related, you know, discussion uh, uh, through those media. And um, yeah, I mean, I really uh, uh, was taken with it in kind of my teen years and um, eventually uh, that changed, but that's, um, that's pretty much how I got into it, but I didn't, you know, I, I was all in, I went to conventions, I got costumes. I mean, in those days it wasn't cool. Uh, you know, to cosplay was not a uh, something people did or uh, you, you hid that <laughs> if you did. Um, but yeah, no, I watched it a lot and it was, um, yeah, it, it stayed with me.
2: It's, I mean, it's interesting getting into TOS in the, the mid late eighties, nineties, you know, around the time of the film and mm. you know, bringing it back television with TNG and you know we got a lot of a lot of people come on who came in to start to go on at the same time as you but just didn't touch TOS you have plenty of people mm-hmm. who came in through TNG who still don't watch or haven't watched TOS um and to you dear that. listeners what what's wrong with you absolutely disgrace what's wrong with you what is
0: what, what's wrong we should but, allow Trek shaming just for that
2: just for that just once but well, I mean
1: indeed I was one of those People who really did not like the idea of the next generation coming along. I was one of the, you know, g- gatekeepers at age thirteen who said, "No, this uh, this show is not for me. This is not real Star Trek." Um, and it took me a while to to accept that show. I, I quite like it now, but um,
0: I think it's um, natural to be a gatekeeper after what the first series of T- <laughs> TNG. <it's, laughs> how how long in did you have code of honor? How long in did you have? Justice? Actually, justice is iconic,
2: but <laughs> it's not great. It's, it's not great. Um, but yeah, I mean, do you remember a quit moment back then? Like an episode you watched that you were that was just left you thinking, what what happened here?
1: Well, um, I don't know about a particular episode, but come around like, well, it wasn't an episode; it was a movie. Come around like uh, the time of generations in 1994, and I'd had this almost ten year stretch of being really involved in the show and, and fandom and. Um, you know, a lot of things were were happening. I mean, Deep Space Nine was happening. I watched the first season of that. I loved Babylon Five, but something happened with Generations, which I didn't like. And then I was, I just was burnt out from Star Trek and kind of science fiction generally. And you know what? I just said to myself, I need to walk away from this. This is a, this is a waste of my time. Let me read a you know, read about my hieroglyphs, or read about uh, Shakespeare, or, or or look at a, a Beethoven sonata. So why am I wasting my time on this show? Um, you know, and it would be, as I mentioned to you before we started, there are, you know, many, many episodes of TOS that, um, uh, well, leave aside of the problematic. They're, they're hard to watch um, for, for other reasons as well. I mean, there's many great ones, but some of them, like the one we're going to talk about today, um, can be quite cringeworthy. So I uh, kind of... Um, decided to walk away from it. And, uh, you know, actually there was probably about 10 years there where I really didn't watch much star Trek at all. Um, I was golden years. <laughs> the gold. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, maybe even longer than that. I mean, I kind of dipped in and out of it, but it wasn't really until kind of the 20 teens. And I started listening to some podcasts and then like for many people, when COVID happened, I kind of rediscovered this series and discovered, you know, fandom, Through Twitter, and that um, reignited my interest, and I've kind of been (laughs) slowly getting pulled back into the world ever since. So,
2: and now, yeah, now you're stuck with us forever. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) It's yeah. I mean, it is interesting, actually, how you know this podcast came out of the lockdown, and Mm. that creation of that community on Twitter, and it is what's always intrigued me is how it is. People, it's just this massive reach across generations and. Hmm. Countries and you know people, the like difference me and Olivia, who discovered uh, Olivia, you just clicked on a show on Netflix because you thought it looked cool. I
0: clicked on the show,
2: TOS baby, the first yeah, d-
0: one.
1: Oh, uh, okay, awesome. And, you
2: know, I'm sort of. My parents were very. My dad was very quietly really into Star Trek in the sense that hmm. I would. I discovered 18 years after I was born that they played. The original series music at their wedding as an interlude music. Oh my goodness! Which I did not know until I was told.
0: You have to one up them. Your wedding has to be an
2: Amok Time wedding. I'm not. No. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh
1: god. You currently do an
2: Amok Time fight wedding in England. It would just rain. Could you imagine doing (laughs) that in the rain? That's my plan,
0: John. So.
1: (laughs) As wet as Vulcan. Uh, Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't really work, but. It's sort of been quite nice, both doing this podcast and chatting with people. like everyone has all these wide perspectives on this show, and yeah. we could all we can all come together and rag Destroy on ha- how fucking terrible it is. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we should.
1: Well, and, yeah, it, it is very, song. very gratifying for me to, um, you know, I remember a time come like say after Star Trek Five was released, and when TNG was starting to get good, like around season three of that, like ninety. Uh, around there, when people were writing off the original series as really hokey and it's had its day, and um, and it was a little bit um, uh, embarrassing to admit you were a TOS fan. Next generation was kind of in the uh, ascendant, and so to kind of like come to this community now over the past couple of years and find so many young people who have discovered discovered the original series. I mean, you know, it it now is old enough that it um, has a certain charm to it, the same way black and white movies did for me perhaps growing up, or, you know, the way you can, you can tolerate things in your grandparents that you can't stand in your parents. It's just, it's now distant enough that you don't hold any of that really against it. You just kind of love it for what it is. And I mean, the amount of people I meet in their twenties or teens who like the original series, it's just so fun.
2: Oh, I wasn't, it's, I don't think I was as into the original series until I got into Track Twitter. I think mm-hmm. that's, mm-hmm. I was a, a TNG and DS9 head. Yeah. And then I came back. I had a girlfriend in Beginning of Lockdown who didn't like Star Trek. And then we broke up and I was watching a lot of Star of Trek. And I was like, <laughs> ah, here we go. I watched you original just series. And I was like, oh, I remember thinking it was a bit hokey when I watched it as a teenager and going on to Twitter. And suddenly all these people my age, you think it's fantastic and hilarious. And are just spinning all of these it ideas fantastic and stories. And
0: hilarious. I watched that show with no context, no understanding mm. of what Star Trek was, no Twitter yet,
2: yeah. and I was like,
0: "This is the greatest show ever." You it's watched pretty... TOS
2: in the pure. You watched US as Gene intended you to watch it.
0: I exactly, and that's. that's I right. mean, if you put I on a B
2: five, if you put on a beehive wig, you'd have been even more pleased.
0: <laughs> I I don't even like. I'm trying to figure out what kept me going past an episode like Charlie X, but
2: <laughs> mm. I, I really think I just love Spock. It was yeah mm. you can't argue with that no.
1: you're a lot of people in
2: yeah I mean this uh, that's great and then we get to uh, and the children uh, shall lead and uh, yeah. I'm normally I, f- I fob start kicking this off onto Olivia but I'm gonna do it here because this is I it's just it's a very surreal quite early TOS opening when they go to this planet and everybody and everyone's dead and they've mm. all killed themselves. Um, and then suddenly these children appear and start dancing and playing around the bodies of their dead parents.
0: Yeah, it's very Lord of the Flies.
2: It is very, well, <laughs> it's very Lord of the Flies and it's very Twilight Zone. And yes. the, it's, it should be chilling, but the directing's just off.
1: Yeah, uh, I agree. It's a, it's a scene that should look kind of um, macabre and sort of horrifying in a way, but it just comes off as sort of campy and i mean it doesn't help that you have the one child who's so much older than everyone else old craig hundley there and um you know seeing him trying to do ring around the Rosie is just painful anyway but um yeah no the um the, i think the director chomsky Mar- marvin chomsky i think this was his first episode he directed and um it shows and i think it also shows in how he was not able to restrain some of the uh some shatner's going going big <laughs> later on in this episode which that doesn't isn't isn't easy to watch.
2: Yeah, it's I mean, it's a shame. It's basically between El Annihilate and now Craig huxley has gone through puberty. And they haven't quite they clearly <laughs> did clock it. that until he turned up on set and they went, ah, oh, fuck.
1: Although <laughs> it you could make a case he's a like brilliant it. actor, because if he's supposed to be annoying, he is. I mean, oh, it's, he's it's supposed to be an antagonist, and he definitely is.
2: As somebody who has a record for being highly judgmental of child acting quality. <laughs> I think he's doing quite well because he's he's annoying, but also you don't trust him and he's actually quite chilling in how little he cares.
1: Hmm. Yeah. yeah, all the children are a little bit I don't want to say off, but there is a stiltedness. There is a kind of, you know, this is this isn't a very clearly an adult trying to write children. And it, it, a little bit, Miri suffered from that too, rather than, it doesn't feel very naturalistic. But, so. I think um, it
2: play, it sort of works here because it feeds into the fact that children just aren't right. Yeah. like Something's up with the kids, we know that, because the only time the kids seem to be animated is when they're just running around playing off script.
1: Yeah.
0: I felt the same level of fear as when I'm sitting on the tube and a bunch of school kids come in, like a whole primary <laughs> school trip comes in. So they kind of nailed it. <laughs> yeah,
2: you know, it's you know it's sort of when they it's the same unnatural things where you're in a quiet spot in a museum and you see a school party coming down to the end of the corridor. You're like,
1: so oh fun. no! <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the forces of chaos are about to be unleashed.
2: So we find out that these kids, the the parents all killed themselves. Um, and the children don't seem to care even when the parents are buried. And we, you know, we get the appearance of the first New Federation flag, which is- Ugly. It's very 60s. Mm. It's very much, if you are, it's very much the obvious result of asking a set designer in 1968 to design a flag from the future. It's like, okay, it's got rounded edges. The stars are very big. The handwriting, the lettering is very large.
1: yeah, it's it, it, it. I I would be surprised if more than maybe fifteen minutes was spent on the design of that flag, but it is the first time we see it. So,
2: and I don't hate it. I know you don't like it, Olivia, but I I think it's quite. In many ways, it's very emblematic of like all the design the It's very simple, very mm. cheap, not the greatest looking thing in the world, but it is just still rings so it just rings so much of what the original series looks like.
0: If it was prettier, I would have forgiven the colonial vibes. But it
2: wasn't pretty enough. <laughs> it wasn't. I mean, it's like you know, I'm well, and it's like- so
1: short too. I mean, it barely comes up to Shatner's belly button. I mean, it's yeah. ridiculous when they try to plant this. It's like at least you know, I don't know, make this a man height or something.
2: Yeah, I'm intrigued whether Strange Worlds will at some point do a retro version, a mod like a modern retro version of that flag, because they've been the some of the mod retro styling they've done has worked and some that hasn't. So I mean, it's one where you know, do they use the sort of post TMP UN derivative one or do they use the UFP banner I think they should have a go at the UFP banner make it glitter maybe it's got a hologram in it maybe if you touch one of the stars it tells you what planet it
1: is you guys have a Picard there have you seen the latest Yeah, we've
2: got Picard I've I've much to Olivia's annoyance I've actually seen press screeners because I work yeah because I think it appears
1: the flag does and it's going to it's. I've seen a a screenshot of uh, of of some of one episode. I don't know which, but it does appear in that, like in the background, kind of as. Oh, is it again, a promo another shop
2: for the next episode?
1: Is it okay? That's it's what on it is. Yeah.
2: LaForge's desk. Which correct? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Geordie's desk is just one massive Easter egg game
1: for us poor poor
2: media journalists. I can't wait.
0: I haven't seen the latest episode, but I miss him. I don't know if he's going to show. up.
2: He's in... Yeah, Geordie's in the next episode. I'm not saying anything. Actually, it'll be out by the time this podcast comes out. So it's a good episode. There you go. You can have (laughs) that. Um, But yeah, so it's also... I noticed that this episode, like, there's a lot of talking before they go and do something. There's, sort of, there's just a lot of standing around. There's not much dynamism.
1: Yeah. Oh, I agree with that. You know, there's definitely moments in the episode, well, you know, Kirk, why don't you do something? Why don't you lock these kids up? Or why don't you, I mean, the, the action is, I mean, some of the ideas could have been interesting if they'd been handled better, but the, it does lack for action, certainly.
2: And there's also the really, the bit where he goes in the cave. he's like, I feel I. <laughs> it's like first of <laughs> all, Bill, cool <laughs> it. what the fuck is, Who wrote
1: this? Yeah, it's like show don't tell, but it's a, uh, it's 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 pretty. It reminded me of um, and I'm an, you know. A, a better scene in uh, empire strikes back where uh the cave remember your failure in the cave yoda says to luke when he goes in to see a uh, you know the darth image but not quite as impactful as that to when shatner's wringing his hands and the styrofoam uh contraption great. i but...
2: feel anxiety
1: <laughs> yeah
2: it's, it's one of those, you know the wheel the there is this pop culture image of william shatner's acting yeah that often doesn't tie into a lot of tos because when he's well-directed, he's well-directed. Then you watch an episode like this, and you're like, oh, this is why everybody thinks he can't act.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, this and like Turnabout, Intruder, I've spawned so many memes of the of the Shatner hamming it up. And uh, it's 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 a pity because, I mean, he, he has, I think, a great range and can be very subtle. I agree that it's either how he's directed or maybe just when he's really trying. I mean, I think they were all pretty exhausted at this point. Um but um, at this this point in the show's run, but uh, he does not as acquit himself very well on this episode.
2: So, I mean, we do get the the bit of this episode I do like is the arboretum and chapel when they take mm. the kids up and they do the food slots and you know it's that thing they do a lot in the early seasons where they show you different parts of the ship and they show you the crew being a crew. Yes, that they kind of the it kind of is clear that Jean Kuhn doesn't like doing.
1: Yeah. Oh, I agree. I mean, and you had mentioned before, the first half of the first season being different and sort of Twilight zone it often gets referred um, compared to, you know, Wagon Train to the Stars. He didn't mean that in a generic way. He meant that like the, like the show Wagon Train. I mean, the show Wagon Train had, you know, re- recurring characters, but then it would very often feature other characters that were sort of part of this Uh, a little ill-defined wagon train, much like the crew was being uh, featured in early Star Trek. You know, Sulu had his plants, and Yeoman Rand was there, and you had Riley, and you had these um, quotidian sort of moments in the rec room, you know, Uhura singing. I loved that. And that um, definitely went away under Kuhn, and it became much more the Kirk, Spock, McCoy, and, you know, Parallel Worlds kind of show. And and it did that great. I mean, you know, Kirk, Spock, McCoy, I mean, you got to love that relationship. But um, it would have been, it's nice to see a little bit of another hint of day-to-day life on the Starship through this, uh, through the ice cream dispensers.
2: Yeah. The, and then it's the, 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 like, you know, every once in a while, I just have in my notes, fuck them kids. And there's a <laughs> note here just for when this kid's like, I want these three flavors, add this one. And I'm like,
1: oh, fuck you. Oh, God.
0: That would be me every day. They're showing great restraint.
1: <laughs> well... <laughs> It's accurate. I mean, I don't know if you have kids. or I taught preschool for 17 years. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, and kids God. and food are a whole thing. I mean, that's, a, you know, so not getting exactly what you want when the other kids are. That's a crisis that caused for a great, great dramatic investment and little whatever his name is who got the, who doesn't like vanilla and coconut anyway? I mean, that's delicious. I'd rather have that it's than nothing. pistachio. I mean, really? But,
2: All kids um, think vanilla ice cream is dull. Because it's Wait, white John, I think that I, is literally The most accurate bit he thinks it's bad Because it's just dull colours yeah. yeah Have
0: you been to, Do you remember going to The Pizza Hut Ice cream sundae Display bar As a kid Were you restrained then John?
2: I was Yes
0: <laughs> My
2: main I remember that Restrained there And the drink dispensers At Nando's <laughs> <laughs> You Not showed
0: up car. Five years old In a three piece suit <laughs>
2: Oh, please. I was wearing a tie, but we'll move on from that. (laughs) I mean, yeah, and then it's sort of... Chapel is just kind of here for ten minutes to try and look after these children.
0: So they did go get the woman.
2: Yes, Yes. they they did.
0: I'm so sorry, Chapel.
2: (laughs) And there is is this kind of sweet bit where Kirk is with the kids and he's trying to talk to them and he can't. And it's sort of the moment there of like, okay, this is interesting. And then it just kind of falls apart again in like 30 seconds. There's weird glimmers of good acting, good directing, and good scripting in this episode. And they just disappear again.
1: You mean the moment where he's talking to, um, uh, what is it, Tommy? Tommy Starnes? Is that the name of the old kid? The correct yeah. one? The kid? Um, and trying to make a connection, but, um, but Tommy Starnes is just putting up this wall and it's not, yeah, and, and and getting really under Kirk's skin too, you know, he was always angry, just like you, Captain Kirk, you know, I mean, just, uh, you can tell he's um, the way, oh God, now this is like giving me horror flashbacks of teaching and just <laughs> how they, they could find out, I mean, you know, it's interesting, before they can even spell, you know, they have an emotional sy- sophistication to sense where your, uh, your weaknesses are and just go for those points to get what they want. I love children, they're wonderful, but they do have that ability <laughs> Too. And um, yeah, Kirk gets nowhere with Tommy.
2: I mean, it is also it's a nice lean back to the sort of there's a sort of quiet thread that runs in TOS but the fact that Kirk was, when he was a young man and a student, not a very nice or interesting person. Yeah. Like, you know, he was a stack of books with legs. He was insufferable.
1: Herbert. Uh,
0: was he, wait, was he like a Reddit guy or was he like the popular kid guy?
2: No, he wasn't popular. This is because. TOS is very clear that, like, Kirk was, like... It's in the, When Oh Man Has Gone Before, that, mm. like, Kirk was a very insular, bookish, standoffish, kind of rude person at the Academy, and Gary Mitchell brings him out of his shell, and that mm. he may have even been that kind of standoffish all the way up until his posting to the Enterprise. And the that end. he's very uncomfortable about that, because whenever people refer to him as being a disciplinarian, like they call him a Herbert, you know, how he reacts to Captain being called Captain Dunsell, hmm. He's quite doesn't like it when people don't think he's nice, or don't think he's kind. Whenever people make reference to him being mean, it seems I mean, to get to under his skin.
0: Towards the end of this episode, he's getting roasted for being too kind, so... All bounces out in the air. I
2: <laughs> don't even fucking. That, that. was so fucking weird. I mean, we have we're about to get to the weirdest part of this episode, which is mm. the kids do a chart, and this angel, green, horrible man appears the to tell them they need The ugliest
0: to... fit I've ever seen in TOS. Olivia, so would you like to know something
2: really terrible?
0: Yes, that
2: with. man is a lawyer.
0: You will never be Samuel T.
2: Cogley. That no, <laughs> no, the actor
1: is a lawyer.
0: I know, but in spirit. Lawyer.
2: He's disgraced us all. I
1: I defended Jack Ruby.
2: This, I've known Marvin. Wait, is that Jack? Wasn't that? That's Marvin Belly,
1: yeah? Uh Melvin Bell. yeah. He Melvin defended Bell Jack Ruby, yeah.
2: Before Jack Ruby got, you know. Oh no, Jack Ruby's the one who shot Oswald.
1: yeah. Yes. Yeah, yes. exactly.
2: So, but like, I don't know. The like memory alpha just says um it would put, we we put him on because it would it would boost ratings. It's like who who's Listen, I know the 60s there's less entertainment in the 21st century, but who would choose to watch television because there was an injury lawyer
0: in it? You're telling me this man was the Kim Kardashian of T.O.S.? Well,
2: the
1: Kim Kardashian's
2: dad. the yeah, yeah.
0: She's a lawyer too now, John.
1: She's
2: a lawyer too, <laughs> but she wasn't a lawyer first.
3: Oh, gosh.
1: Yeah, I don't know how well known really he was. I mean, it wasn't like uh, really scoring a, an A-list celeb to appear on the show, but um, but yeah, that's the story. That and you know, I think actually it did boost their ratings slightly just because it got some play in a TV guide or something. But everybody regretted that choice after it was made. I mean, uh, he is. A big part of why this oh god, a big part of why this episode is so weak. Just um, you know, if you if you want to look up wooden delivery in the dictionary, I mean, you'll see this guy's picture. I mean, not to mention the, you know, I think that is the savage curtain that he is wearing, um, you know, just that that terrible outfit and, uh, yeah, it's it's he's hard he's hard to deal with.
2: I mean, the funniest part is the weird green glow, is because Gene watched the footage and was like, "This man is the worst actor I've ever seen. (laughs) Please cover him up." It, that that's it. that's the only reason it says that jay was like i can't watch this yeah and some of his lines
0: translucent it would be a disgrace
1: <laughs> and, and some of his lines are interesting i mean it could be you know call upon their beasts i mean that's i mean that's a very cool kind of a cryptic a evil sounding loaded uh phrase to use but he just you know it's like he's reading the phone book it's not um it doesn't grab you in any way and i like that little ritual of hail hail fire and snow i mean yes it's it's a little on the camp side but i mean it's kind of neat that they had some you know a little pagany kind of thing that they did to summon this creature i, I don't know why it works with the uh, the tape recorder uh, to summon him that way too but um and i like the fist pumping they do to just kind of invoke their powers there are little elements that um could have been okay but just uh, together it's uh, it's just off
2: See, the bits in this episode that work were the bits that were reasonably well directed. Like mm. the scene where Scotty goes into joins control and the engineers kick him out. Does it work? Because the directing they keep cutting between Scotty and the other technician and the other technician and the Scotty. If they stop cutting around and just have Scotty run around the room trying to fix things and all the engineers
3: yeah,
2: it would have worked because you'd have added some tension to the scene. In a way that they do later when they've got Sulu with the knives in space, which is so fucking dumb.
0: <laughs> yes. That looked fire, John. Take it that was... back. No. <laughs> I'm make that my phone background.
2: <laughs> but that works, and the Ahura mirror thing works. The directing is good. And the camera direction is good.
0: That was Macbeth energy. How dare you?
2: <laughs> but then, yeah, and then you know they take. Yeah, so the kids take the Enterprise out of orbit because they're going to where Ma- Marcos Twelve, which apparently has lots of people on it. Who Gorgon's gonna what? Conquer? Consume? It's entirely unclear what Gorgon yes. wants. Yeah, which
0: was doesn't there help. Is an he just gonna kill these people? Like, what, were they just suitable, or was he just gonna go for anyone?
2: I think the implication is that he was gonna go for anybody who whose minds were susceptible to manipulation, and kids were. Right.
1: Yeah, not really clear what the plan is. I mean, it it is interesting the backstory of them being sort of a um, a, a ghost of this alien race on what is it, epsilon Indy, who were a, a marauders throughout the galaxy, you know, a millennia ago, and they were so evil that their the some of their presence is left, and now they're using children to kind of instantiate themselves. I mean, that's kind of a neat idea, um, but but it's but the execution, and you know, it's not very clear what. It, He's saying he's. They're going to have a million followers on Marcus out of twelve million. Millions. What's are they your... going
2: to get followers? Are they going to kill people? I just yeah. yeah.
1: It's yeah. hard
0: to separate his like weird pitch to the kids from what his actual intentions are.
3: I... Hmm. It's
2: like, and what's like is what's it, what's the relationship with the kids about? It is it about kids being easy manipulatable. Is it just they're doing weird? You know, sort of speak. Creepy kid stuff. Yeah. Is there an allegory about anything serious? It's just.
0: I wasn't getting that sense. It just felt random.
2: No, it just felt like, oh, the kids could be controlled. They didn't think much further than that. Yeah. And they sort of drop in these weird, like, act two just drives because it doesn't, all the sections of it don't really tie together. Like, they take control of the the bridge. Hmm. And then there's this really long, drawn out scene of Spock and Kurt going over the logs. And then you get the interesting, terrifying bit, which is where the state where they beam the crew into space back. Oh uh, yes. Yeah. Which is really chilly because quite clearly that's something people have been thinking about with relation to transporter since season one and people still do talk about. And they got to do it on screen with like they beam these guys to their deaths, and that's quite horrible.
1: Yeah, you'd like to think there'd be some uh pretty basic uh, safety protocols, a uh, uh, cooked into the transporter controls to prevent that from happening but it is very memorable yeah to to have to die that way
2: yeah and it is what's the word uh, and then the second half of the episode goes a bit quicker i think i think it's the interesting half
1: well it, it is but again it doesn't make a lot of sense so look i mean why does why is kirk able to you know uh, throw off the um the control of the children where no one else can i mean that isn't sort of explained or explored um you know even spock was succumbing to it but then it sort of wears off on him but it, so does it wear off do you just have to get out of their line of sight or you know clearly not because some of these other crewmen are affected you know at a distance so what is going on it's just a, i mean you know, I, I do
2: have to ask the important question which is considering this is probably a circumstance in which you would be allowed to what if you just punch the kids?
0: Yeah, <laughs> we <laughs> like, all know you want no, to In punch all other kids, <laughs>
2: don't punch children. But if a child is le- forcing you to lead them to a planet of con- for conquest purposes, I think you'd be allowed to punch the
0: kid. <laughs> he took the pacifist route of loving the enterprise so much that they couldn't harm him. Hmm. Look at him when he was thinking he lost command. He was a broken man. Yeah, why he just <laughs> punched the, punch the kid. Love.
2: Why didn't Spock punch the kid? <laughs> or falcon to be correct yeah yes. oh,
1: Their, right. uh, phaser yeah, i don't know stun. why
2: we didn't have the nerve like he nerve pitches the the security guard later on why yeah
1: he
2: yeah Nerve pitch the kids he has morals John. No,
3: he
1: well kirk kind of <laughs> kirk kind of tosses a couple of the kids around a, a little bit before the gorgon makes its final appearance so i mean they're not invulnerable um so yeah, it's it's not clear like what their powers really are, the extent of their powers, what their limitations are. Um, it's just a, you know, it's and it's, it's not muddy. like they're
2: not. It's not like they haven't. They're not thinking about leaving the measures up. So Kirk, you know, the very iconic scene of Kirk. I say iconic, the well-known, hmm. infamous perhaps scene of Kirk in the turbo having this massive crisis of consciousness, consciousness, and command which is you compare it to the other two great uh, Mm. crisis of command moments in balance of terror and the ultimate computer It's the shit
1: oh god yes like or even the enemy within when he's essentially struggling with the same thing where you know he's weaker without his evil half and now he feels his ability to command slipping from him um you know in the first place it's you know, lit much much less interesting than earlier Star Trek. You know, Shatner doesn't look as good, so there's the, those those aspects. But I can't lie so, to this weirdly. it's so over the top and so um, yeah, uh, kind of hammy that uh, you don't it 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 doesn't create a, an impact except uh, of cringe.
2: And it's sort of it's also the the script. They don't. It's sort of just like Kirk is afraid of losing command. Yeah, and they, it's not. They don't really go into the. Kirk is afraid of losing command because it's the only thing he really has, has it is all his life has come up to, it is all he wants, it is all he knows how to do. They don't really get into the nuts and bolts of why it's such a terrifying prospect for him.
1: Yeah, and I, I guess that does come up again and again. I mean, they also do it well in the naked time. And I mean, when he said call upon their beasts, I mean, uh, the Gorgon, I guess he's talking about you can exploit these people these people their natural fears or their each their greatest fear is to you know get them to do what you want so i i suppose there's some consistency there but again I, why does he why does why is kirk able to throw it off just by stepping into the to the turbo lift and no one else seems to be able to do it and i hated that they i mean i hate this the swords thing too i mean it's just, oh god i can't stand looking at that and then especially this is Sulu. we should be happy with swords or foils why doesn't but
0: anyone like the swords? i don't like it's the high cap there are,
1: yes yeah it
0: was giving macbeth it was giving shakespeare it was camp it was theater kid
2: <laughs> it I was actually it. it is a very it's the shakespearean imagery is good i'll, I'll concede you that olivia but it is still the it?
1: they're just daggers of the mind but um Ooh. uh you know another, it,
2: another strange episode <laughs> um
1: but then the thing i i can't stand is uhura you know like One, okay, this mirror that never has been, in. this is the mirror that people look into when they suddenly get old. It's probably the same mirror that was in the deadly years when that lieutenant walks by and says, what a stupid place to hang a mirror if you've watched that one recently. But so, of course, Uhura, because she's the woman, her great fear has to be getting old and ugly, right? That's kind of the vibe I I got got from that and uh, really uh, always made me uncomfortable.
0: And it it also was, it it was unclear, was it just that she had aged because- she complained about having a long life or a long death. I can't really remember how that went, but it seemed condescending on some level.
1: It seemed condescending. Yeah. I mean, I think she was worried, you know, generally about getting old and suffering and then dying. But it I don't know. I wish they had picked something a little more active for her that seemed particular. I mean she was the only woman that they did that and did it for.
2: I mean, the I think a lot about how in season two in what is I mud. They have Mm. um, Ahura does a thing where she betrays the the gang to the androids by saying she wants an android body so she can live forever, Mm. and it's quite clearly played as these silly androids. I think all Ahura wants is youth. She's much better than that, which I guess is progressive for 1967. Um, And then, like a year later, they sort of lost that kind of nice character Mm. twist on. They forgot. They forgot. Yeah, they forgot. That's all the other way
3: to put it. Yeah. They forgot.
2: No. But they lost how that sort of, you know, that twist of trope, which is always the best, the clever thing writers do, where they make you think one thing's happening. Yes. They're leaning on what you expect.
1: Yeah, no, that's true. Well, I mean, we have to remember that, you know, by this time, there were so many new people involved with Star Trek behind the scenes, and most of the people who knew it well had already moved on. Um, so, you know, God knows if they were even familiar with that episode. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the other thing, of course. We have the great privilege of being able to call cool up 56 years of, academic, of study and resources and mm-hmm. on our fingertips about what an episode was like. It's sort of thing whenever somebody rags on an episode and I'm just like, well, this is written in two weeks by people whose knowledge of Star Trek was based on what they could find in the back of Paramount in 1968. Yeah. Which is diddly squat.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Different, it doesn't different excuse- era.
2: doesn't excuse like you know paradise syndrome there's no real excuse for that alternative intruder which
1: uh paradise syndrome gosh i know we're not talking about that i like that episode i just wish why couldn't they have just made it you know like a, a an alien culture that you want to frame this way why did we have to lean into this uh to the native american kind of imagery and tropes and that sort of thing just make just make it aliens that you want and then they've done that uh,
0: one as well was oh, no or oh, was that them no that's the native one is there which that one are you one thinking where like they're kind of just a vague but still clearly based on native americans you
3: and think you the like, inner they're like light
2: they like red, red. Basically. oh you're thinking of the apple yeah I oh think- the no. apple no no, no, the, no, apple no. Is just, the apple's just the with- terrible
0: <laughs> that the one they have like a massive snake statue or was that. A... Yes,
2: that's the apple. yeah,
1: that's the apple. Okay. The paradise wow.
2: syndrome is the one where Kirk bumps his head and suddenly thinks he's an I am is an rock. indigenous they, American. They did the alien did.
0: version of it, but they've also done the that's straight up.
2: Yeah. Yeah, no, because <laughs> I I do agree that like paradise syndrome, the, the like bones of this idea where he thinks. Well, if you want to know what paradise syndrome looks like, if you do it right, it would sort of end up like the inner light in a way, wouldn't
1: it? Mm. Yeah.
2: But the yellow light is also a lot more thoughtful.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Which one's that?
2: That's the one with Picard and the flute, and he's stuck in the probe.
0: I, I you know, even I, Olivia, it's
2: a one where That's all. For the probe and he lives up his whole life, and he plays the flute. <laughs> I only watch TNG minutes. to
0: make fun of TNG, okay? <laughs> No. Yeah. It's a good yeah, that's a beautiful I'm really episode. in a TNG hate era. This is like recently. the fact this is like
2: you having never watched the visit. It's like you don't actually have an excuse. I'm it's never actually gonna watch good the visit television.
0: Time. I don't want to cry. I skipped it on purpose. <laughs> well now I will watch it for the Patreon, but that's
2: yeah. it. So um, give us more money and Olivia will watch the visit.
0: I'll watch it.
2: Give me more you money and I'll watch i watch whatever Beyoncé's saying like Olivia keep talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember what it's called. Cool. I'm not gonna prompt her. Um so so we have the, the, they go in the turbo lift, then Kirk, they try to break into auxiliary control in what, a scene I forgot happened and in retrospect didn't need to be in there.
1: Oh, you mean the um, go away now or we'll kill you? That, that scene <laughs> or the scene with, with Chekhov and the, the goons?
2: I think the should... scene where Scotty basically does the natural reaction of Eddie Glaswegian to being told the pub's closing.
1: Yes, yes, that's it, exactly. It's that's just exactly.
2: like, go away, I'll fucking kill you. It's like, all right, It's, just, <laughs> it's, just, it's such a weird line as well, because it doesn't really come out of anywhere.
1: Yeah, yeah. But it, does, it's,
2: it, it directly leads into Jim Kirk going, oh, we might have to kill some children.
1: That's right. You know, one scene, I don't know if you touched on it, or maybe, I think we passed it now, that was okay, was the in Kirk's quarters between... Kirk and Spock and McCoy, and they're kind of discussing the situation. And, and, and um, Spock says something about evil does seem to, does seek to maintain power by misleading the innocent, or um, I forget what the line is um, by suppressing the truth or misleading the innocent. Then Bones interjects. And, you know, that's kind of an interesting discussion. Maybe it is why um, uh, the Gorgon chooses the children as his sort of vehicle because they are more susceptible to being misled and, you know, they're, they're gullible, but, um, but that I felt seen was okay.
2: I mean, it's a, that's a really intri- interesting point. And it sort of is a great shame it's lost in this shit show. Cause you know, at a time when, you know, there's a, there is reasonable discussion around radicalization of kids, you know, mm-hmm. see Andrew Tate at all. And, you know, the vulnerability of youth tyrannical and dangerous ideas there's an interesting point there
1: yeah yeah but
2: found in passing yeah yeah so it's the sort of irritating thing of of a lot of bad stuff the the profoundness only comes in the cursory comment
3: Mm.
2: and you know you have to sit there and wonder was that deliberate or am I being generous I think it the way it's written, you're right. They're clearly trying to make a point, but it's just lost in the rest of this.
1: <laughs> it's lost in the chocolate wobble and pistachio and then the Melvin belly and a shower curtain aspects of not, the show. If
2: you put emphasis in this idea that these children are like are so easily manipulatable, but it manipulated, you'd have an interesting plot there about youth and yeah. radicalism, which... I mean the only one I can think of that did it properly was Suddenly Human, the one with that the TNG one with a teenager who was kidnapped by the Tularians, I want to say.
1: Oh yeah, yeah.
2: Once again, listening to an episode Olivia doesn't remember. I mean it's it good help
0: I mean for TOS, like were we just coming out of the era of children being seen, not heard? Like
2: they, Yeah, it is the 60s. They they the teenage, the concept had of the teenager yet. has just come into existence. Yeah.
0: No one was rebelling yet. Yeah.
2: Like, well it's <laughs> actually well. I mean, the other point of course is that 60 this came out in 69 you know the the, the near the absolute height of u.s troop deployments in Vietnam main, many of whom were kids yeah. so like you know it's an old one but eh, you know fuck them kids <laughs> <laughs> especially if they can't act but uh, especially if they're making check of try and kill Kirk which you know I mean it's the other thing is that Another point towards the directive being bad is that sometimes people are playing, like Sulu, Takai is playing being under the control of the um, kids as being like he's high. Mm-hmm. And Scotty's playing, and Niboy plays it straight, as does Doohan. And then Chekhov plays it like he's under extreme duress.
3: Yeah. yeah. Like, he's, like resisting. he's being
2: physically controlled Wait. and made, like he doesn't want to say it. Like nothing he wants to do, he wants to do.
0: He does have like a breakdown about never dis- disobeying an order.
2: Yeah, he looks frightened. But and doesn't agitated. have
0: a breakdown about trying to
2: actually kill him. No, because he looks so like, it's not like when Scotty tells him to get out, where he's like, you're wrong, you're absolutely wrong. There's no way you can be doing yeah. this. Chekhov looks like he doesn't want to be saying what he says. <laughs> yeah because just off.
1: <laughs> he's it's because he's not uh suffering from the children he's got a little seti eel in his ear uh, that's wrapped itself around the cerebral cortex and it's telling uh, him what to do but uh he has to fight against it and yeah no it's it is redolent of that but you're right his,
2: um, you know i was thinking it reminded me of another walter koenig moment and you're right it's the seti that's eels. it
1: yeah yeah or he's he's he f- he's still himself but he can't can't help it. He's he's uh, fighting against uh, yeah. the compulsion to do something.
2: Ah, Pavel, you spend most of the original series suffering.
1: <laughs> the most yeah. neurotic character in Star Trek. For him.
2: <laughs> so they have to fight Chekhov. That fight, I'm surprised how <laughs> long that fight lasts. I thought it was just one of those classic TOS ones where they chop everyone on the shoulder. But there's actually a bit of a struggle. Yeah. And then... Tommy runs away when he realizes that Kirk might actually just kill him. You know what?
0: Yeah. Kirk really actually did well. He he never really had a put the fear of God moment into them. He probably should have. No, he
2: probably should have, yeah. As he said. I feel like he'd feel like if they had been a court-martial and he'd explain all the evidence, he'd have probably been acquitted if he'd had to kill a kid. <laughs> stuff like HR, yeah. love
1: you can stun H- these people you know you do have a stun setting like
2: <laughs> yeah. For oh yeah
1: <laughs> but but you're right he does i mean i think uh he he could be cruel or he could be more severe i'm um, getting to your point olivia he's but he can't uh i don't know he's too at the end of the day he's, he's a softy yeah
2: nice and i guess coming. we're still sort of in haze code tv as well so they can't really Yeah have him throwing, like, punching kids or anything. He does Me? throw Tommy quite literally out of the command show, which is in many yeah. ways quite satisfying, because he is just an annoying fucker.
3: <laughs> He's
0: much <laughs> kinder to the girl. He's like, oh, I'll place you here.
2: I'm going to put you here. And then he just throws the other kid across. And you're right, the whole, oh, we're going to summon the Gorgon with a tape. <laughs> you know, if- if I if my phone says Bloody Mary three times, does that work? I, I've never I've never known. I don't know how the Bloody Mary thing works. i it's not really a thing in England. I'm just aware of it through like <laughs> American other Horror story? What? Well, and then like American
0: yeah. Horror Story.
1: And then like, what is it ultimately that causes the Gorgon's power to you know to to fade? Here, it's just bringing the children to an awareness that they were being controlled by him. Is it just shocking the children with this uh, this? Uh, no trigger warning video of you're watching yourself playing and then oh wait there's your dead parents um what is it that makes the gorgon suddenly you know fall up you know i'm melting The lot the wicked witch i don't really get why that happens but i'm glad they it's, win it's, i guess
2: i guess it's the, the whole they kick them they really make the kids realize that they, their parents were actually dead because the other thing i noticed is that earlier on the kids never think never referred to their children their parents in the past
1: tense. That's true. That's right. The
2: parents are always referred to in the present tense. Like they are so mean. They love that. They love that planet.
1: Yeah. And he's
0: like, There's... why was he upset? He's always yeah. upset. Like
2: yeah. they never like you could have added a couple of lines about where Kirk or something's wrong because the kids explicitly say they think like, like, why are you got why didn't you bring our parents with us? Or you
1: hmm. know.
2: Are you going to take us back to them or something like that? Where co is they think they don't think their parents are dead.
1: There is a little bit of that last gasp of um, kind of Freudian psychology here with uh, McCoy really trying to emphasize a, they need to release this grief. You know, it's all suppressed. It's all, you know, bottled up and, you know, they got to get it out so that they can, you know, heal and move on. I guess it's not purely Freudian, but McCoy harps on that quite a bit. And I suppose when they finally do that and they're able to cry, Which, by the way, is a great moment if you take it out of context, where you have that clip and the kids are crying and McCoy comes in. I don't know what happened, but it's great to see them crying or whatever he says. Um, But that's what... Fuck the kids, McCoy. (laughs) That's what causes the spell to break and uh, the Gorgon to to turn into mush. It just
2: melts into mush. That
0: annoyed me because he was already wearing the ugliest thing I've ever seen in my goddamn life (laughs) and already looked terrible. And then they lose faith and he gets even uglier. It started off bad. It was bad enough.
2: Wait, it gets worse. (laughs) And the acting got worse too. You're
0: telling me that was his
2: peak form? And then they get to Marcus 3 and do a U-turn. And my last thought is at what point is Kirk going to remember he locked Chekhov in a cell? (laughs) Like he's just sitting on a bridge like, are they going to be like an hour later? And he's going to look at Mr. Hadley and go... (laughs) <laughs> That's right. Or Sula's gonna be like, "Where's, where's Puzzle? And she's gonna stand up and run out the bridge.
0: Maybe there's a ship-wide reset. This happens a lot.
2: Last time no,
1: you... <laughs> You're <laughs> right, though. He's like signing the little document thing that Ahura gives him, and you know, just uh, we're back to normal right already. Meanwhile, He's freeze
2: halfway down the page. It's like, if I, it's too late now. I can't say anything. Now. It's been half an hour. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, meanwhile, Chekhov's in the agony booth.
2: But it's, yeah, and the children shall lead, which it is just kind of textbook season three. Hmm. If the script isn't very well put together and seems to change quite a lot. Um
1: the music is bad too. The music does not help this episode. I mean, not just the ring around the Rosie, which, although I'm glad to see that has survived since the great plague, that song, uh, even into the 23rd century. Um, but, uh, I feel like the music is a little too over the top and, you know, not the best work. I think this was George Dunning. Who also did like the empath and Metamorphoses. but, um,
2: but the it, empath it, has really good music.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I know. And this doesn't. So I don't know. He, uh, he swung and he missed for this episode for me. I, I feel like it just, it makes it harsher. It just puts more of a spotlight on how terrible moments are.
2: Yeah. Um, there's like, I'm looking at this sort of trivia here. I mean, I'm kind of, there's not, usually there's something quite horrifying and grim in the trivia. There's nothing quite bad. Um, the kids costumes were made by the great William West though So thankfully it looks like none of the kids have parts of their skin removed by glue or tape. <laughs> which is progress for William Wersize. Um, I think as the kids,
1: said- I'm sorry, I was just going to say, I think the kids had a great time on this episode. Um, I read a little bit about it in the Cushman book uh, uh, yesterday, thinking about this and they all, you know, had a blast on the set, and you know the the little girl, what's her name, Pamela Faden, or something like that. She had a big crush on William Shatner, and you know he gave her like a little ring. They were going to get married when she was, presumably older. Um, but you know they just they were having a ball by the sounds of it, even if the uh, the episode was was bad.
2: Well, fair few of them are, appear again. So the <clears throat> what's his name mm. who played the Asian kid plays a navigator oh, yeah. in TNG. He plays a what? he plays a, a navigator on oh. the helmsman on TNG once um craig huxley famously played peter kirk in operation nightlight then helped invent in, no invented the blaster beam which is the big long beam of metal that makes the brang noise in the motion Iconic. picture the, but, you know, the best instrument ever invented um <laughs> what other ones are there uh
1: i think from this i don't think the other kids appear in Star Trek again in Miri there was that other boy who went on to appear in Deep Space 9 and and in Star Trek 3 but I don't think any of the other kids appeared in another Star Trek although they were yeah. I don't know if they did other stuff they probably did
2: apparently the operating was built for a lot of Troyes, yes another unbelievably cursed episode <laughs> and the you know deleted scene that got cut
3: oh yeah yeah
2: yeah um this was so this is directed by Marvin Chomsky who um was a very skilled director on roots in about oh, really? Yeah, so he, he's known for that, huh? And, but this was one of his first ever jobs, and it just I don't I think the directing isn't great, but it, it's just let down by one of the work just the script that does nothing, goes nowhere, does nothing.
1: Yeah, yeah, not an episode you want to introduce Star Trek to someone with.
2: No, I mean, it has some. Interesting ideas, but ideas—that's what it is. Just ideas.
0: I might, if I want to, traumatize them. (laughs) I'll I'll, I'll do a double bill. It'll be that one and Mary, and then see. At least Mary ends. It's Mary.
2: Come on, if Mary's better.
0: Mary's like (laughs) they beat. Like someone to death like a group of kids beat someone to death
2: a group of kids a group of kids try and beat
1: beat Oh, yeah (laughs) that's creepy yeah
2: that's quite key the kids beat kirk to death everybody's kind of dying a bit dennis rand's there is is quite clearly plagued on cold war fears of apocalypse
0: sorry he's getting like piled on by these kids and he doesn't swing at anyone
2: he does. It's just, there's a lot of kids that live here. <laughs> like every child within a mile and a half of Deseret Studios. In that so
0: room. he fails that question. Would you rather fight like 10 kids or
2: like 10? Yeah, is, yeah is he would rather fight 40 kids or one Spock. And Kirk you know, I guess he'll choose the Spock. <laughs> um, what other? Yeah, so this is generally considered, as you said, one of the worst episodes of Trek ever made.
0: Okay, it's not that bad.
2: Okay, it's it
0: wasn't racist.
2: That's true. (laughs) I mean, it does come down to the you know, is your definition of worst offensive or terrible offensive and unwatchable or just structurally bad? Because this is just a structurally bad episode in a lot of ways. I think the quote here is this episode has a script that offers virtually nothing. No suspense, no character development, no intriguing sci-fi premise, and not one memorable line of dialogue.
0: Hmm. No, let's think. What was memorable?
2: Here's the point. Most Memory Alpha episodes have like a memorable quote section, and these sub- the samples here include parents like stupid things. It will spoil okay. your dinner, Captain. Amazing. So long as the children are present, there is danger.
0: Incredible.
2: Um, most legends have their basis in facts, Spock, and.
1: Death to you all. Death to you all. Yes, that's how you I used all. to dismiss the kids in my class at the end of the day. <laughs> death to you all. Death to you all. Death to you all. all. No, you to
3: you all. See you on Monday. <laughs> <deport
1: you. laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's as... I mean, we talked about that little exchange with the, you know, evil misleading, the innocent or whatever, but um, yeah, I mean, there's so many things that are wrong. It can be very hard to do children in a TV show anyway. I mean, that is very often hard to pull off and it doesn't get pulled off well here. But as you say, there's also the structural problems. There's this terrible guest performance or non-performance. There's this overcompensation by William Shatner and just some not great production values as well i mean it's just the perfect storm of elements that go into this that make it um for me anyway that's probably one of my least favorites to watch
0: um say something nice about it
2: say something nice um i like the flag the flag's cool <laughs> i like a good flag um i like actually, as i said i like the arboretum i like that it's not just empty yeah. you know beyond the kids who are just off-duty crewmen milling around
0: i do like that it's wholesome. It's I like to see what's going on. Yeah, um, I appreciate that. I have now learned that there's a limit to how camp I like things. Because that <laughs> outfit was a disgrace, and I, it's good to know that there's a ceiling on what I'll accept.
2: From there's TLS. a ceiling on campness, and it is an injury lawyer
0: in a in a in a bag. I mean, underneath that, he <laughs> must a- have had that like Victorian
2: structure. <laughs> That no, must have been the worst thing to wear under studio lights.
1: Oh, Big <laughs> <They got> sequined <laughs> muumuu or whatever it is. Uh, yeah.
2: So we do have to now ask the important question of questions, which is: Will this episode make us quit Star Trek this week, at least, or at oh, most?
0: I will start with a no. No. It, it wasn't offensive. They just didn't do that well.
2: You see, here's the point, which is that. Uh, I'm fairly sure in my first last rewatch of TOS, this is the point where I gave up. Oh. <laughs> it was either here or the lights of Vita.
3: Hmm. I didn't yeah, quit
0: a single episode of Star Trek until TNG, which makes me you
2: watched through this? an insane person. <laughs> Wait, sorry, just a clip. that means you watched all our yes, actually all our yesterdays is vaguely interesting. You watched Turnabout Intruder.
0: But I didn't have also I didn't have a standard yet. to be fair like it's not even like what was i going to compare it to i was like this is a great time 60s diversity fun space dudes
2: that guy's got pointy ears
0: some failures
2: you know we'll
0: overlook that
2: um i mean i'm quitting i'm giving it a yes so i guess you've got the tiebreaker
1: Uh, okay, so explain this in a little more detail to me. My so, friends.
2: are we? Is this episode bad enough that you would close your laptop, turn off your television, and go outside and go on a six-hour walk?
1: I I don't think any any episode of Tos would make me do that. It doesn't matter how bad it is. I would just I would have to stay with it. It's it's you know I'm too attracted to these actors. I'm just too attracted to just the bridge and just the That's noises. Right. It can I I. I, I no, i i can I can hate this episode, but still want to see it to its bitter conclusion.
2: I'm I'm with you on the noises. I mean, when um I got the press screener for the last episode of, of first season of Stranger Things at 2 a.m. when I was sleeping on a friend's floor in Cambridge, and I woke him up because of the noise I made when Pike goes onto the bridge in his time dream, and it made all the mm. proper TOS noises. Hmm. Like for I most of Stranger Worlds, It's been quite subdued And then when they're in 2266 It's all quite loud And everything's yeah. much more chunky And I was like yes I work <laughs> Andre up at 3.30 in the morning Love to hear it It's all I about this A good it. chunky noise is yes. cre- It's the best thing in the world
1: you have to find the good in things, even as you have the kids in your class that drive you crazy and the other ones you wish you could spend all your time with. You have to attend to all of them and you have to find the good in all of them. So, yes, I, I look at these episodes as, uh, as children. I can't I can't abandon any of them. Next Generation and other ones. Uh, that's another story. But Not somebody else's cause...
2: class good <laughs> at <just> covering them. <laughs> <laughs> Olivia, do you want to do a trip? I I feel bad having to introduce the trip that scale to somebody who probably hasn't watched that much Enterprise.
0: Oh, how how much Enterprise have you watched?
1: Me? Yeah. Oh God, uh, I have. I saw part of the one, the Mirror Darkly one. Is that Enterprise? Is it? That, yeah. Uh, okay. No, otherwise, I haven't seen any of that. I it.
2: feel like oh, okay. <laughs> oh
1: no. I'm sorry. Can't I mean, I'm I'm just... familiar I with.
2: It, I will sort of. But... I guess, Olivia, I will do it this week.
0: Well, you bullied bullied me on Twitter the other
2: day. So in one of our final segments is we measure the level to which this episode baffled, confused, and upset us um, in a scale of one to ten trypnets, which is from one of the earliest episodes of Enterprise in which Trip Tucker is accidentally impregnated by an alien species. And this is discovered when he rolls his wrist up and there are nipples on his wrist.
1: Oh, is that the origin of this term? I've heard this floating around, but I've never. Yes. Well, thank you. I, now I'm I'm educated. Okay. Now you so. know what a
2: trip. You know what a trip. It's all awful. Okay. It's a tragedy. It's, really. it's genuinely all awful.
1: <laughs> so the the greater the number of nipples, the worse your opinion of this show is. Is that Not do I understand the scale? Worse. Correct? It's
2: more in the sense of cursedness Weird. Is you? Something that makes ah, you okay. feel like what the fuck are they doing here? So, I mean, a good a, a good example might be um, Neelix and Kez, which, mm. you know, a, a 40-something-year-old man and somebody who's canonically two. <laughs> and in, even in her own species, is not much older than about 17.
0: It's a Leonardo situation.
2: <laughs> or to make, I think, if we go TOS, um, an obvious one would be the Yangs and Combs in the Amiga Glory, who... Yeah. Gee, I wonder what point they're I, making there.
0: I actually forgot the Omega <laughs> Glory existed. I haven't thought about that since our very first episode.
2: Oh, let's 94 do a rewatch. Episodes ago. <laughs> oh,
0: that's so gross. <laughs> yeah, I guess.
1: Yeah. I uh, what? Sorry. Do you want me to give a, yeah. a rating on that? Okay. Well, yeah. I guess in comparison to those kind of examples, it's not cringy in that same way. It's it's. Um. So I I guess in that sense, I'd go a little easier on it. It's not um doesn't have a, I don't know, it's not offensively bad. It's just, um, it's just bad. So I guess we'll say six trip six nips. Does that work?
2: That's still yeah, I was okay. going to give it, I was only going to give it five.
1: <laughs> okay.
2: Because it's, it's not quite, they don't throw enough at you. That's bizarre.
3: Mm.
0: You know what? The gown alone is uh, six.
2: <laughs> yeah, um, was-
0: so I'm going to actually.
2: Are you giving a six? Yeah, I'll give it a six. <laughs> Gives us an average of not 36. Um what am I done? I screwed up the Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> an average of 5.6 trip nipples, which I'm gonna not think about too hard because that's too many. Um Ooh, 0.6 of a nipple. 0. 0.6 of a nipple. That's not a concept I like to think too much of. Um and then do you want to do high art? Are we unable to contemplate what our best oh favourite episode well, basically our high art section is you You try and find an episode that Olivia would like there is no yes. scale or adjudication you just pick an episode and put it to an arbitrary judgement it's a bit like
0: picking an episode co- of
2: Voyager to watch and hoping it's good
0: is it sort of like everyone's Kobayashi Maru? Like, I'm, yes it is, I'm the it's a Kobayashi Maru I will bless your opinion as canon Basically, my high art list. Um, let's give some examples. I think um, that's. I've got them here. Is high um, art.
2: Examples of high art are "The Naked Time." I think great. Um
0: Masks is high art.
2: Masks. Journey to Babel, which was a side choice, mm. but I think is Journey
0: to Babel with that Andorian in the red jacket. Yes, the costumes for Journey to
2: Babel are the best. Um, what other ones? Um, 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 Blink he- of an eye, which is another. I don't remember that's choice, high art so i'm sure really? I've, okay i think it was a that's a sarcastic high art I think. okay oh no this is the voyage of blink of an eye not the not wink of an eye the oh okay that makes okay. more sense Because that's a yeah i'm just looking at the notes here
1: um, so
0: essentially it's just my fave apps and i like some of the silly ones so would you like <laughs> to submit an episode of star trek to the high art list
1: this... oh gosh um boy putting me on the spot a little bit i i mean for a long time i really loved i mean i loved the naked time and i loved um uh, this side of paradise um i just loved those spark episodes where you saw behind the curtain a little bit and you saw some of his angst um, i have a
2: real soft spot for this time of parad- this side of paradise actually yeah explain the app
0: i don't remember the name it's
2: the I'm one sorry. they go to this colony that they think has been destroyed but it's all right and there's this plant on the colony that basically sprays you with a pollen.
0: The one that makes Spock heterosexual?
2: Yes.
1: <laughs> That's the one.
0: It's so upsetting to see him behave. But it is way. a really great
2: performance <laughs> because there's this bit right at the end when the ship is empty and it's just Kirk yeah. and he's being caught by the pollen. And he's just about to leave. And he opens his case of medals and he looks at it. And it's just, there's no words said. He's just like, he just snaps yeah. him out of it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess I would pick, I would pick that one. I mean, I have a a real attachment to that one. And I just, it's so the character study is really nice. And the music is beautiful. The performances are really beautiful. It's lit gorgeously. It's on location. There's location shooting there. Yes, it's just the Disney branch, but. um, you, it is. (laughs) But I, but I, I really love that one. The other oh, one I was going to say I was going to say the empath just to give that another because it is so in terms of high art. It's like a black box uh, theater from the sixties in a way. Um, just what they what they're able to achieve with with nothing. But I have a very sentimental attachment to that, so oh, I don't know I, if that's
2: the empath. I just as it is, you either love it or you hate it. If you, yep. it's yep. quite. It's just not like really like any other Trek episode because it's this black yeah. set, and it's just. Kirk, Spock, McCoy. Uh, what's her name? Jim. Um, oh, gosh. She just said Gemma Collins to me.
0: That's what I was thinking. Because I was like, is that her? No,
2: no it's not. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's but it's not, just but... quietly very good. I just It's just very cerebral.
1: It's emotionally and, intense, too. Yeah. I mean, just like, you have this torture, you have, the, but then the great sense of sacrifice for each other in that episode, and um yeah, no, it's it's got these very vivid emotions, but a very minimal visual language.
0: I will accept the empath because she slays. And I will accept <laughs> wait, what was the other one the side the of side of
2: paradise? I great. will accept
0: that one because of the two ladies in the feather outfits that McCoy sees. Is that that episode?
2: No, that's that's leave. Surely... Oh, God. <laughs> that's Shoreleaf.
0: <laughs> I mixed them up then. Is that not it, the one where supposed to No, that, that's the one where McCoy said it's to fight somebody over
2: a, a cocktail. Yeah, those are
1: two different is
0: this man
2: <laughs> shot by a flower? What's going on?
1: <laughs> he does get shot by a flower again. There's in the, of, app, a in a lot, the apple.
2: A, yeah, for some reason, in the 23rd century, there are a lot of very violent flowers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. Well, I'll it's, just accept the empath then. The empath? <laughs> so sounds good.
2: good. Okay, fantastic. Um, and, uh, you know, if you've got anything to plug to our listeners, I'm immediately going to plug your Mr. Leslie account because it just makes me chuckle.
1: Oh, good, yeah. <laughs> just,
2: it, please follow it, guys. It's just an account that's like Mr. Leslie's life is terrible.
0: Who's yeah. Leslie?
1: Is that that one? Who's Leslie? He's, uh, well, he's one of the many uh, faces you would recognize, maybe not necessarily put the name to him, but one of the many kind of day players or, you know, background extras they had although he did have a couple lines of dialogue including his biggest line in um, the uh, the side of paradise but uh um usually he's wearing red although he has worn all three colors of shirt and uh played by eddie paskey who passed away last year but he was just kind of the avatar for this account which is supposed to be sort of like day-to-day drudgery as a low ranking you know a lower decks kind of thing the way many people do but just through a very tos lens and with some very deep tos cuts so Yeah, definitely feel free to follow at Mr. Leslie TOS or that my only social media is a is Twitter and you can find me there at sub commander T I don't really have Oh, no, I started doing these spaces on on Twitter where we just talk about general topics that could apply to any start like we've done one about the use of uh, allegory we did one about utopias and Star Trek generally, we're going to do one on sex and violence in Star Trek and that's coming up I think. i should have prepared for this april 17th at 8 p.m if you're interested that's eastern standard time so probably uh you folks on the other side of the atlantic wouldn't be interested but
2: Sorry, I'm, i don't sleep that much
1: <laughs> i've i can tell by when some of your <laughs> responses well, it's, come it's, in, i so. work
2: i'm i i work as management in a pub so there's a lot of getting back about one or two in the morning oh and, is that what uh, it is you, you work a heavy job it takes an hour or so to sort of Absolutely. Let yourself get ready your to sleep. But yeah, I've got um, miss Leslie So to give our listeners and Olivia a taste. Some recent favourites include Stardate 5344.7. I was reprimanded today for my sideburns not being pointed enough. Um, As he should be. Stardate 5319.9. We were hosting a delegation of Romulans and I asked one of the, the Centurions if in another reality he gonna called me Fred, but he said no. <laughs> or yeah. Um I accidentally I got a ticket because I accidentally parked the Galileo in Captain Pike's spot. Right. I'm taking the side of management. <laughs> <laughs> Bixer, Leslie. Yeah. But yeah, um, thank you so much for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure, even if the episode wasn't. Um
1: no, thank you. This was a, a tons of fun. And I enjoyed having the opportunity to rewatch this episode and, and talk about it in, in a little more in-depth. So thank yeah, you. I'll-
2: our listeners know where to bother you. If they want to bother us, they can bother us at I Quit Star Trek, Tri- I Quit Star Trek Pod on Twitter. They can email us at iQitstarting at GMO.com. Um don't send, don't try and recommend us injury lawyers for the podcast. We're not that that's not going to improve our ratings at this point.
0: Uh I can get
2: you one. What an injury lawyer or higher ratings? An injury lawyer. <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> um please leave us good views on iTunes. And wherever you leave podcast reviews. And until next time, fuck them kids, fuck them, <laughs> fuck them, the fucking kids with the getting committing mass murder, fuck them. You know what? Down with. The I children. know I was going to end this episode. I got to say this now. Do we think the kids went to prison? <laughs> they um... Antelus colony. <laughs> <laughs> Send, yeah, that's how we're ending it. Yeah. Send your children child murderers to the Tantlers colony. Nothing bad will happen. <laughs> sure. Good night, everyone.
1: Good night.
0: Cancel. Cancel. <laughs>